It takes more than doing sentiment analysis on video feeds during Zoom calls to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 252. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers about non-technical stuff like how to use computers to interpret the emotions of your coworkers that you are unable to interpret. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's good at emotions? Computers. <laughs> I like the idea of this uh, very controlling boss that wants to turn people's frowns upside down so they use sentiment analysis to detect when people look grumpy and then put like a Snapchat filter on them to make them have a goofy smile. Morale is way up. Oh, look at how happy everybody looks. (laughs) So I just wanted to let you know, CEO, that I have solved our morale problem. (laughs) Productivity has plummeted, but people look very happy. So Yes. (laughs) it's mostly solved you can't have it all yeah productivity is a lagging indicator yeah of course (laughs) (laughs) don't worry (laughs) wonder how long you could get away with that (laughs) oh man like deep fakes just to just to make sure everyone thinks everyone else is happy eventually it it will become infectious right people will truly turn happy if they only see pictures of themselves in the thumbnail as happy versions of themselves (laughs) Has anyone played with GTP3, GPT? I can't remember what the acronym is. That that giant language model and generating code. I've seen some stuff that generated React components from text descriptions. I'm just thinking about oh. this based on the deepfake stuff. It's sort of like deepfake for text, kind of, almost. Yeah, create a Zoom feed that makes my coworkers look happy. Boom. <laughs> model. Perfect. <laughs> I want to thank our patrons, and so I will. Thank you to question mark, Jonathan King, testingisdocumentation.org, Adrian Bordink, Roman Denisov, FizzBuzz Influencer, Oladapo Fadye, Karen Svainson, Ragnar Horison, Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Dennis Bogdanov, Braden Kane, Stephen Armand Lee, John Grant, Taras Haruk, Chris Hogan, Agile Ventures Charity, Nick Cantar, and Philip John Basile. These are the illustrious folk in the... Uh, their names in the bright lights. Yeah. <laughs> audibly, I guess, instead of visually, who are supporting the show <laughs> at the level where we shout them out every single month or actually every episode. Yeah. It's Friday. You can tell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you. Good luck. If you want to join this crew, if you want your name shouted out, if you want to turn on our podcast and then like plug it into the. Remember those. those there's always some trope about a high school movie where somebody takes over the PA system. Okay. Like says nonsense. I don't know. You could do that with this podcast, I guess. Oh, yeah. If you go to softskills.audio, click support us on Patreon, contribute at the level that gets you shouted out every week, then sneak into the principal's office, do some hijinks, plug your cassette tape into the that this <laughs> podcast is on into the yeah. PA system. Oh, man. I feel like you would get expelled, and I feel like that would not go so well these days. Hijinks yeah. are, are frowned upon a little bit more at school now. Yeah, you'd probably be labeled a terrorist or something. Yeah, I think you would. But you won't if you do that, because they'll recognize you're a person of taste and quality because you listen oh, yeah. to soft skills engineering. They'll hear the PA start crackling and be like, oh, and then they'll hear that <laughs> melodious soft skills engineering intro music and be like, ah, <laughs> clever. Yes. If you contribute to our Patreon, then your money 
helps fund the production of the show. And you get invited to our Slack team, which is great. Yeah. And sometimes you get more than one invitation. <laughs> sometimes you get an invitation every single month. Depending on whether that, that same Slack bug has regressed again. Yeah. You, <laughs> hey, do you wish you got more email? Yeah. <laughs> well, you can. <laughs> sometimes. And it will only cost you a little money. Yeah. What is it worth to get one email every six months or so that you don't want? A hundred dollars? A thousand dollars? What have I told you? It could be yours for just one dollar. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's all right. An incredible value, but we should answer some questions. <laughs> we should. Let's do what we're paid to do. Here we go. I should read this first one, I think. This comes from a listener named Will who says, How do I incentivize people to maintain documentation? Getting anything done at this large enterprise company is a massive challenge because documentation is constantly out of date and people only have half the information needed. So much time gets wasted because people have contradicting knowledge about the status of projects, systems, or requirements. Should I just quit my job or can this be fixed? Yeah, you're at the wrong giant enterprise, but if you quit your job and go to the next one, then they will have documentation figured out. I oh, think yeah. you've solved it. <laughs> <laughs> this this enterprise doesn't write stuff down, but the other one will. There's got to be yeah. someone out there who does this well, right? Uh, no, that doesn't have to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, can't I just mumble about the law of large numbers and then? Yeah, I don't know what that means, but I think it means that if there are enough companies, some of them are good at documentation. <laughs> yeah, I think there is something about that where it's like statistically speaking, if there's enough of one thing and there's a non-zero likelihood of having some property on that thing, then you'll have the thing. Oh, this is the infinite monkeys thing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Given in infinite large enterprises, one of them will by accident produce good documentation. Yeah, that's always accurate. <laughs> yeah. I work at a large enterprise. It's a massive challenge because documentation is constantly out of date and people only have half the information needed. So a lot of time gets oh. spent by people trying to gather knowledge of status of project systems or requirements. And yeah, you've You've identified the thing that happens. You're like, Joe, is that you <laughs> from the cubicle down the hall? <laughs> wait a, yeah, wait a minute. This is my this coworker. My coworkers. There are only 50,000 of them. <laughs> Again, law of large numbers. This listener is probably your coworker. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm just going to start saying, if the IRS gets mad at me for not paying enough taxes, I'm going to say, uh, law of large numbers. <laughs> Given enough people, you'll probably get it wrong sometime, I guess, and, and see if they, that holds up. Yeah, what do you do about it? So this doesn't feel good, but lower your expectations is one thing you could do. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't sound abnormally bad. Maybe it's worse than normal, and, and it's hard to get that across in a paragraph, but it's hard to write documentation, and most people don't because of that. It's funny how most of the time, those of you who have listened to more than, I don't know, two of our episodes know that there's a bit of a pattern to our answers, which is find out who to talk to, then figure out what to say to them. But this one was an unusual one because Jameson just said, just lower your expectations and deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> no, they already found out who to talk to. It was us. And what they had to say to them was this question. And we got it. solved the problem by telling them, yep, this is unsolvable. <laughs> I've, I've, I've spent some time trying to think about why this is and why it's so hard to kickstart good documentation when it doesn't exist yet. And part of the problem I've encountered is that you run into the situation where to create 
documentation, you have to first document everything. If you uh -huh. if you add a new feature to an existing system, but the documentation for the existing system isn't there, do you document the whole system and then say, mm -hmm. and now it has this feature? Um, and the answer is no, because people <laughs> don't do that. Or do you just like make some random entry somewhere that that says no one knows what the system is, but it says now it has blockchain? <laughs> that feels not very useful too. So it, there's sort of like a hump to get over to get this started. Mm -hmm. And that hump you're saying is documenting everything to start. Yes. Or at least enough. It's what's that old Carl Sagan quote to bake a cake. You must first create the universe. Invent, create the universe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yeah. That's what it feels like sometimes. Another problem is there's never enough time to do it. And this problem is sometimes caused by lack of documentation. But you're going to have even less time if you take a bunch of time to document things in the short term. It's really hard to see through that to the long-term payoff. Often, lots of that long-term payoff goes to other people too, not to you. Yeah, because you quit your job in frustration after trying to do the documentation. Yeah, and then someone else joins and they're more productive because you wrote that down. <laughs> but but no one, it's hard to say, oh, thank you, person who left five years ago for writing yeah. this down. <laughs> like, we'll give you a retroactive raise. Odds are someone is doing this at another huge mega company and you're going to quit your mega huge company after putting in place this documentation foundation and you're going to go over there and be the beneficiary and they're going to come over ah, here and be the beneficiary. Okay. <laughs> so it's like pay it forward. Yeah. Eventually it'll come back to you. Today you, tomorrow me. Yes. <laughs> okay. Or tomorrow both of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I found that the tighter I can scope a, a request to document things, the more likely it is to happen. If we just have mm -hmm. nothing and I kind of throw my hands up and say, ah, oh, we have no documentation, we should have it. We still don't after I say that, it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> but if I say we have meeting notes and we write them down and we put them in oh. this place for every meeting and it rotates who does it and like it's very specific and it just happens and that starts things. And now you have a way to derive current state documentation by reading the history of all meeting notes that have ever happened to know what the state of the system is now. Yeah, it's like event sourcing. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Perfect. And that's very easy for people to do, to read all those and maintain state. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it's better than nothing, but it is potentially worse than nothing because <laughs> yeah. if they read through a bunch of stuff that doesn't apply anymore, then it could confuse them. Yeah, you're like 80% of the way through this like 100-page meeting notes, and you're like, yeah. oh, they... <laughs> threw everything out at this point and started yeah. over <laughs> but at that point it's like literature it's not you're, you're reading to find out what happened not to do your job yeah it's like anthropology <laughs> you, about the system instead of the system yeah you want to see the character development <laughs> yes <that's, laughs> the arc is what matters here yeah i had another thing to say that i felt very proud about and it's gone why don't you say a thing and I'll, I'll pretend like that's what I was going to say. <laughs> well, I do I do have a semi-serious answer to, to this, but really, though, before I give that answer, I got to say, if you don't have top-down support to make this happen, it's probably never going to happen for two reasons. Number one, top-down support is required because people feel like they need permission to move slower to document things when they start and when they finish. Mm. And number two... They need to be encouraged to do this and know that it's part of what makes them a good employee is to produce documentation or else, like we see in this question, people's default state is just to build and not document. Yeah, I agree with you. That's what I was going <laughs> to say. <laughs> I have seen top-down documentation changes work. I have seen bottom-up fail for a long time. 
which oh. is depressing. Because what do you oh, do yeah. if you're on the bottom and you want documentation? You quit your job, I think. <laughs> or you just give up because like, it's very, very hard to influence an organization to change this habit from the bottom. Yeah. And that was going to be one of my questions to this question asker, which is, who are you in this organization? Are you someone who has formal influence? Or are you someone who is just kind of clamoring from the bottom? You're a cog in the machine trying to get your neighboring cogs to write stuff down. Yeah, because both of your suggestions are much easier if you have power because you influence what people get recognized for. And that sort of solves the problem of if you spend all your time, more time writing stuff down, you're spending less time doing things. And so if you're expected to just do things, then you're less productive in people's eyes. But if you can value and reward documentation as productivity, then that incentivizes people. The reality, though, is, in my experience, effective documentation culture, which I have seen at scale at very large companies, well, one, uh, effective documentation culture comes by writing first, not last. It's not build a bunch of stuff and then go back and do the drudge work of writing down what you built. It's writing down what you plan to build, using that as a tool for reviewing with others to make sure you're building on the right track, and then build it, and then and this actually doesn't happen even at good culture, good documentation culture places, go back and update the thing that you documented to make sure it matches what you actually built. Because there's always a small delta, you know, because the building process teaches you things. But that works, I mean, that works really, really well. The other thing you can do is you can hire hundreds and hundreds of engineers not to write documentation, but rather to bombard your team with questions about their software so that they realize, <laughs> I just got to write this down or I'm going to keep answering the same questions over and over. You force them. <laughs> you sick an army on them. Yes, that's a startup. Okay, this is a startup idea. It's documentation incentive as a service. So you you pay my company and I will I will have engineers call your engineers on the phone and just start asking them questions about their software and they'll notice repetitive patterns in the questions until they write. And then they just start sending links back to the people and then you can cancel your subscription. That doesn't sound like a good business for you though. Yeah, the the recurring revenue model, it's like we're successful when our revenue goes to zero. (laughs) You just haven't achieved scale yet, surely. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Surely if you just acquire more users, then it'll hit some inflection point. Yeah, (laughs) where it goes to zero. So good. Yeah. (laughs) You have so much stuff going to zero. Oh, man. Yeah, you'll have scaled really huge. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe one thing you can do is make specific, if you are agitating from below, make specific assessments and suggestions because I suspect that your boss probably wishes documentation were better too, but feels like they, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, cannot make the trade-offs required to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So if, if you just say, oh, our docs are bad, then have a dirty secret, which is that sometimes managers hear the same complaints over and over again, and they <laughs> stop caring about that complaint. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, not me. I care about all your complaints. Right. You just don't do anything about them. <laughs> What are you talking about? I host a successful podcast (laughs) to solve everybody's problems. That's right. (laughs) If anyone asks me a question at work I can't answer, I refer them to our large backlog of episodes, and then that'll (laughs) distract him for a while. (laughs) (laughs) It'll buy me some time. There are there is well over a hundred hours of material there that you know, and that'll take weeks for them to get through. Yeah, and maybe 
you know, sometimes you don't control how people interpret your words and, and maybe they will find a solution that I didn't say, which is probably your Perfect. best bet. Yeah. <laughs> I had a point. What was my point? Oh, yeah. If you can say a specific cost, like I did this thing, this task took me 15 hours. I know that other person did this task a year ago. If they had written it down, then it would have taken me one hour or something, something very specific and scoped and, and mm. specific and scoped to a task and, and ideally some kind of estimate of here's how much time it would have saved because that can help buy you, I don't know what to call it, investment? That can help buy you effort? Yeah. Resources? It buys you willingness on the part of your manager to invest in the problem. Yeah. I couldn't tell if you're going serious or funny, but that was good. That was what I should have said. I can't tell if you're going serious or funny is the tagline of our podcast. <laughs> Keeps you on the edge of your seat. And anytime you we give you bad advice, that's because you misinterpreted it as serious. Yeah, it was a meta joke. It was just funny. Yeah, it was post-ironic humor. <laughs> All right. Well, I will say one last thing on this topic, which is nothing speaks better than an example. If all you do is say to your manager, we need more documentation, that doesn't really work very well. But if you can show them how it works by doing what you think should be done, that speaks a lot, a lot better. And your coworkers will really appreciate you and they might just pay it forward as well. And you yeah. could become a, a viral documentation infection that spreads with a really high R value. But it's a good thing. It's a good time. thing, right? Yeah. Too, am I too soon on that? I think I am. <laughs> Wait till I get the vaccine, at least. Okay. Have we answered the question? I think so. Good luck. And you're. I, I really do think you're going to either have to just deal with this or leave. <laughs> because it is so hard to influence these mega huge corporations and change their culture, culture from the bottom up. Yeah, I've I've wanted to change it for years at my current employer. And... I've tried to agitate and I have some power and I've failed. And finally, I feel like there's enough people plus some top-down pressure that it's starting to change. But I can't tell if I did anything or like, did I agitate for long enough or did it, was it really just top-down? I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure it was you. Yeah. Probably it was me. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm certain. Uh, I'm going to read the next question. This okay. is from an anonymous listener. Greetings. First off, great show. Thanks for the countless episodes, most of which result in me getting weird looks as I chuckle to myself while running and listening. I have a passion for technology, which led me to a career in development. I am very often researching new languages and software that will help us do our jobs and or lives better in my free time. I get excited about these things I find and want to share them with my coworkers, but often get rebuffed by them, asking me why I spend my free time, quote, working. I know I can't expect everyone to share my enthusiasm and passion for this stuff, but I am finding it discouraging being on a team where this curiosity is not celebrated or encouraged. I love the company I work for and don't want to leave, but I find myself becoming more and more disconnected from my team because of this. Any suggestions on how I can share my passion with my coworkers in a way that is mutually beneficial to me and them? Thanks. Keep up the great work. Ooh, this is a very interesting mismatch of passion and what's the opposite of passion? Complacency? <laughs> doldrums disinterest dust D <laughs> i feel like we've answered the opposite question before of someone who works with someone else who who is very passionate and does a ton out of work outside uh -huh. of work and they feel like they can't keep up this is kind uh, of the flip side that's a good counterpoint because that might explain these developers 
not just lack of enthusiasm, but active stifling. You know, like, stop that. <laughs> Maybe it is because you're making them feel that they're, they don't measure up. I have felt both sides of this, and I'm trying to think the, the, I think I've been kind of a curmudgeon sometimes when I felt like it wasn't enthusiasm about learning new stuff. It was like, we must switch to every new thing that I read about on a blog post this week. So when it affected my day-to-day by making me have to spend a lot of time debating or or just like throwing out work to cycle through frameworks or databases or programming paradigms or something. Yeah, that's when I have been discouraging, I guess, or dis- in disagreement. So maybe they're perceiving it as like, not check out this cool thing I learned, but hey, we should we should spend six months implementing cool thing I learned in production. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And and your con- your complaint is that six months isn't enough. You should spend more time on it. <laughs> just curious. No. <laughs> I just I just don't want to learn anything anymore. Okay. I'm full. I'm, full. I'm done. Uh, it's like after you eat one one pizza slice too many. Mm-mm. That's well. how your brain feels <laughs> after twenty years. <laughs> yeah, it's like I have all my work to do, and now I have this fake work to. It <laughs> doesn't pay me. Doesn't yeah, it doesn't I mean and I guess it still pays me, but <laughs> doesn't check off my checklist fast enough. Yeah. This is exaggerated for effect, but I wonder if there's some some of that. Yeah. I gotta say one thing though. I just don't want to send the wrong message here by not saying this, which is I love the fact that this listener is doing fun learning in their free time, learning new programming languages, studying things. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And I love that they want to share things with their coworkers. And I just have to say that if you find it hard working in a place that doesn't welcome that, I'm hiring. So just send me a message on Twitter. (laughs) I love hiring this kind of person. And I I get it. Not everyone can afford to do this. But those that do, I really like working with these kind of people. This is revolutionary because we've gone from quit your job to get this job. Come Yes. Gone full circle. You still have to quit your job, though. I'm not going to pay you to do both. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I agree that in general, I like people who are interested in learning new things. Yeah. More than people who are the bad version of what I said, who are full and done, don't want (laughs) to learn new stuff. Yeah. Maybe you can find some of this outside of work. There's meetups and online communities and stuff. Yeah, remember when we used to go to meetups? Yeah, that's true. There aren't meetups. There um. will be again though soon. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, someday there will be meetups. But for every cool technology, there's a online community for it. They all have Discords or IRCs or yeah. whatever, so you can hop in there and learn stuff. That's a good idea. In fact, I've known a lot of self-taught engineers who connected with an IRC community. Are they still doing IRC? I don't even know. This is like 10, 15 years ago, and they would actually make really good friends too in the process so you know if you're interested in haskell or something there's a whole community of lonely haskellers who would just love it if you would talk to them (laughs) (laughs) are you maligning haskellers really i love you all but seriously there are communities of people who are just open arms ready to meet people who are passionate and interested in the same things they are yeah and often if they're new things the people in these communities are incredibly excited when someone new yeah. joins because they're trying to get off the ground and they they love they're, they're trying to bring more people in so do you remember when elm was new yes i do and going going to elm meetups just felt like a really special thing yeah it was like we are all doing something really 
unusual. <laughs> I gave a talk about Elm, and then I hung out with the community a little bit. I never got super, super deep into it, but it, it, there were like deep relationships there, yeah. and it was exciting to be a part of. So in other words, fill your bucket through another avenue. Maybe your coworkers aren't the ones to do it. Yeah, that's an option. Another option is maybe if you can couch it in how this will make their life better. This is sort of to address the the curmudgeonly, like, oh, you're just going to add more work to my plate. Yeah. Probably most of the stuff you're learning about is not going to directly apply and make their life better. But if some of it does, then that's that's a way to get them interested. Okay, this could help with this task that we have ahead of us. Or So I'm hearing you say, apply the law of large numbers and just spam them with everything you're learning. And probably one yeah. thing will make their life better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah law of large numbers it comes up again applies it everywhere and in, in fact if you apply the law of large numbers enough <laughs> you will eventually <laughs> you'll apply it correctly once <laughs> well that went really meta i like that yeah finding discouraged being on a team yeah that's that's rough when it's your team yeah so my organization has an off-topic channel where people will post kind of random ideas. And it's often cross-team, the collaboration in there, because it's not not necessarily everyone on your team is going to care deeply about some cool new thing you're looking at. So maybe maybe there's this is sort of in between the find an external community and do nothing, but yeah. find like a bigger internal community. Surely there's someone that you work with or that works at your company that is pumped about learning new stuff and being enthusiastic and passionate. And maybe maybe you could find a low pressure way to share your enthusiasm that's not, hey, let's Im- let's put this into our production code. But instead, it's just like a fun, like maybe a lunchtime get together where. Yeah, like brown bags are a thing. Well, they were when we went to offices. And maybe make it kind of light, like, hey, I'm just showing you some cool, kooky stuff. I'm not saying we have to you know, make it explicit that you're not telling people they have to change the way they work just because you're excited about this. And then maybe play a video every once in a while. And I, I just have to say a really good unifying video for this kind of like quirky, lighten the mood, but stay on the technical topic is, of course, the WAT video. Everyone loves the WAT video. That is a classic. We got to throw a link to it in the show. Oh, yeah, we should. just So like throw the WAT video in there from Gary Bernhardt throw in some interesting kooky thing you've learned about or just you know show how you can like launch an entire who knows xyz stack in three lines of code in in five seconds so set that up make it lightweight and fun and maybe try to get your enthusiasm to be infectious here we go again with another infection metaphor but try to get your enthusiasm to be infectious in a low pressure way so that your team doesn't feel like you're asking them to change the way they work yeah one thing i really like in my current job is we we have a bi-weekly, we call it the learning extravaganza because <laughs> I titled it and sometimes I give stuff goofy <laughs> names. And that's what it is. It's come and teach us about something. And probably two thirds of the time it's tech. Sometimes it's about home maintenance or how to cook Israeli Ooh. food or just like other random stuff people are interested like in. This. But it's a form for people who just want to learn and people who want to share what that's they really have cool. learned. Uh, it's low pressure. It's like valuable for team building and learning new stuff and people find it enjoyable. And the people that don't care, they just don't show up and that's fine. And what what percentage of the people who are invited show up every time, would you say? Oh, so we're pretty distributed across time zones. Our whole org has, I'd say it's about half the org that shows up. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah. At my previous company, we did lightning talks every, I don't know, two months or so for a building of about 
I don't know, 500 to 1,000 people. And we would get like eight or nine oh, wow. lightning talks every few months. And they would be really interesting esoterics. Everything from like brewing beer to building a koi pond in your backyard. You know, it's pretty interesting stuff. To brewing beer in the koi <laughs> pond in your backyard. <laughs> it's like raising, what's that What's that special kind of cow that's raised on beer and massaged before it gets eaten? What? Is, this, is it uh, Kobe beef? Is that a real yeah. thing? Isn't isn't, isn't Kobe beef? That's, it's fed beer and massaged and then slaughtered and put on your plate. I know it's expensive. I'm saying you could do that with fish. <laughs> yeah. That you brewed in the pond they live in. <laughs> You're going to get some nice extra complex flavors in that drink, I would suspect, if you brew it in a fish pond. <laughs> yep. Is that a hint of slime <laughs> I detect? <laughs> uh. All right. I've answered the question. I think so. Yeah, my we're good. My wisdom is used up. We're good. Let's I wrap squeezed it. all the wisdom juice out of my brain. What should people do if they want more questions answered? If you would like more questions answered with comedy or seriousness that is unpredictable, go to softskills.audio and click ask a question. And we just want to say thank you to everyone who has submitted a question. We will eventually answer all of them. We promise. And that is a check that we might not be able to cash, but we're going to try our best. <laughs> but we promise. <laughs> <laughs> promise to try. That's the promise sandwich. <laughs> you promise and then you caveat and then you follow up that caveat with a promise. <laughs> Perfect. I think we're done. Catch you next week. Bye.